What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome to the same old Dolphin show. I'm Josh Katzker. With me, as always, is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hey. Oh, boy. Brain, I don't... Uh, we talked about at the end of... As we looked back on that Jets game and we said, you know, it's hard to imagine this Dolphins offense could play much worse than... And oh, they did. Boy, oh, they, oh, did they. Boy, did they rise to the challenge. What's amazing is that they came out at the beginning of this game and they looked good. <laughs> they actually, their first 18 plays from scrimmage, 106 yards. They Granted, that included a really terrible interception inside the five-yard line on the opening drive after really a... I don't know if you'd call it a beautiful drive, but you'd call it kind of just what the doctor ordered kind of drive to open the game off, killing all this clock, a lot of plays, sustained drive. You look like you're going in for for a touchdown, and then on first and goal, you call a fade route, and you have – now, there was, there was a little bit of debate about this, whether it was a poorly thrown ball, whether it was not a great route by Julius Thomas – um, whether he, you know, didn't, wasn't physical enough with the corner from my eyes for starters, let's start with this first and goal inside the five. I'm not throwing a jump ball to, to Julius Thomas. I'm either running the ball to Jay Ajayi or I'm, you know, if I'm throwing a pass play, it's going to be some sort of play action. Maybe I'm rolling Jay Cutler out or I'm throwing a ball that has very low chance of getting intercepted. So I hated the play call. And then when it comes to the throw, you know, the announcers were making a lot of this size advantage that Julius Thomas has over the corner and how he's got to be more physical with the corner. And I'm looking at it and saying, if this guy's got such a size advantage over the corner, you got to put this in a spot where he can use his size, not overthrowing it to where there's only one player with a chance to make a play on the ball, and it's the defensive back. So I thought it was a terrible throw. It was totally on Cutler. I also thought it was a terrible play call. That play aside, second drive of the game, the Saints get the ball. They drive all the way down the field. Defense holds to the point where they're going to stop them to a field goal, and the Saints miss a field goal. And the Dolphins get the ball back. And the offense is looking good again. They're running the ball. They're moving the ball. They get a couple of first downs. Then you get a false start penalty and the wheels kind of fall off. And you you end up with a second and long, a third and long. You get a sack. Okay. Prior to the sack, the Dolphins had run 18 plays for 106 yards. From that point on, from that point on, the Dolphins ran... 31 plays for 70 yards. I mean, that is almost impossible. <laughs> and it's against the team coming into the game it's that had the second garbage. worst defense in the league. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unreal. It's really how bad. bad the they were. Saints came into this game giving up 437.7 yards per game. Just absolutely horrendous defense. You do and, have to take into account that one of those games was against the Patriots, but they, they nonetheless, they've been bad. 
Yeah, it's it's been a bad defense, and uh, you know, and you had that opening drive. Dolphins take eight and a half minutes off the clock to start the game, drive the ball all the way down, and you had this feeling like, okay, here's this Dolphins offense. It's clicking. Cutler had some zip on his passes, and it looked like this was going to be the Dolphins' offensive bounce back that we needed. Right, it, things were looking good. It was like the team felt like they had some momentum behind them. Cutler throws that interception and then the wheels just started falling off and it was, and it was bad. Uh, and I mean, it, it was a lot of bad play on the field, but I think really the issue when you look at this offense, I think if you're looking at it objectively, as bad as Jay Cutler was, I think you have to say that the problem with this Dolphins offense starts with Adam Gase. Absolutely. And I think it's an it's an important distinction to make when you talk about or when I talk about how the Dolphins move the ball well on their first two drives because typically and I, I didn't hear the press conference I'm I'm sure that he was asked about how many plays were scripted I'm sure but but typically the coordinators or the head coach they script the first 20 plays and on script the Dolphins seem to have had a decent game plan but this has been a problem throughout the first three games which is once you get past that script and you get into these the same situations over and over again the Dolphins have had this tendency to be not just very predictable but very safe very safe and very predictable which when you come into the season and the talk is all about how this is going to be an explosive offense and Adam Gase is this offensive guru and this is his second year with the team. And even though Tannehill got hurt, he went out specifically to get Jay Cutler because Jay Cutler could run his system. And, uh, you know, you've got Jay Ajayi running the ball. You've got Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker. You made sure to bring back Kenny Stills. You went out. You did your homework to on Julius Thomas to make sure that he would be a good fit for this offense. You went out and you got all these pieces. So this would be some big time offense. And through three games, you've been safe and predictable. Come on. It's terrible. And, and when you add into the fact, the matchup, and when you add into the fact that you're playing the whole game from behind for the second week in a row, and you're still on second and long, Running the ball. I mean, second and long for the Dolphins this year has meant one of two things. It means a, a draw play or a screen pass. And this game was the exact same thing. And it's just, and then third and long, forget about it. We're not even trying to pick up a first down on third and long. So when you look at it and you say, uh, you know, the third down efficiency, the Dolphins were the worst in the league coming into the game. And then they were another one for eight today. Uh, well, it's no wonder on second and long, you're, you're running the ball into the line of scrimmage predictably. So you're putting yourself in third and long, and then you get into third and long and you're not even trying. You're not even trying. You're well, giving what about, up. And here's another issue of it, which is you get a lot of times where these dolphins get into these short yardage situations. And then rather than trusting their, you know, who dolphin fans would tell you that this is a JHI is an elite running back in the national, you get into these situations, second and short, third and short. And uh, 
you go away from him. Even in situations where he's lined up out as a wide receiver with a cornerback giving him eight, you know, five to eight yards. Yeah, so Gase is definitely, this game looked like an example of Adam Gase overthinking the room. Being, you know, smartest guy in the room syndrome. Uh, you know, I'm going to zig when everybody thinks that we're, that we're going to zag. That, that's what this looked like. And it couldn't have been exemplified more than by two situations. Uh, the one that you alluded to, which was late in the second quarter, where the Dolphins had a third and one. And uh, they came out with a Jai. I don't know if he started in the backfield and motioned out as a wide receiver or if they just broke the huddle and Jay Ajayi was a receiver. Um, now, this one, I don't love the play call because I think on third and one, you're now sitting there. You, you've had success running the ball. The Saints, not this great run defense. And now you've taken the running uh, the, the running play completely out of the equation because you don't even have Jay Ajayi in the backfield. And... You can make the argument now from this point forth, this is not really Gase's fault. Uh, I mean, aside from the play call, as far as the execution of the play, because the call that was uh, the play that was called essentially worked, but there was a questionable pick play. But again, you open yourself up to that by throwing the ball and by calling what is essentially a pick play. Your you, you know your your receiver has within one yard of the line of scrimmage to get off a clean pick. And it's a, most of the time it's a, just a judgment call by the official. And so you you really got a 50, 50 shot of that. Assuming that the play even works, you have about a 50, 50 shot of it. You know, the penalty not getting called. Meanwhile, on the other end of the field, this is where you could say, well, you know, Jay Cutler should have looked at it and said, I've got Jay Ajayi on a third and one lined up as a receiver on the outside, the quarterback's playing like 10, 15 yards off of him. All I got to do is just hike the ball, throw it to him, and he picks up the yards. But I can understand if, you know, that's not where the play was designed to go and you're worried about, oh, you're going to catch Jay Ajayi off guard. You know, that's not really where you're trying to go. But again, this is why, why are you trying to get cute on third and one when you you know and everything that you've said and everything that you've done up to this point is the offense is built around Jay Ajayi running the ball and he was running the ball well. So, you know, that one, they end up completing the pass to Jarvis Landry, but it gets called back by a penalty. They end up not converting the third down. Then early fourth quarter, I mean, early third quarter, you get a third in inches and you line up in the shotgun. And yes, did they run well out of the shotgun, uh, you know, prior to this point? Yes. But on third and inches, I don't want my running back in the shotgun. <laughs> you know, like, let's just line up in a power set. They know Jay Ajayi's getting the ball, but it doesn't matter because all we need are a couple of inches. And this trying to get cute cost them again. Jay Ajayi ends up stumbling over Jay Cutler on the exchange, ends up... You know, before he gets ahead of steam going, the, the defensive line gets the push and he ends up losing about a half a yard on the on the third in inches and they don't get it. And because they're on their own side of the field and it's, you know, at this point, it's it's a 10 nothing game and it's still very early in the second half. The Dolphins don't go for it. And 
that seemed like the last, it seemed like after that, the Dolphins couldn't get really anything even close to going until, until the game was, I mean, well, I mean, the game never really felt like it was out of reach. The Dolphins just never felt like the, like, like they were going to be able to score 10 points. So by that token, you could just say, well, once it was 10, nothing, the game felt like it was out of reach. It really did. Uh, the Saints scored that touchdown to go up 10, nothing. And it really felt like that was a, the offense had been so bad up to that point. But let's, let's move away from the offense, at least for the time being. And let's talk about what was, I guess what you would have to say is the, the positive, um, in the game for the Miami Dolphins. If, you know, we were coming into this game, I was predicting that the Saints were going to put up at least a 40-burger on. Um, I really felt like we were going to have a hard time slowing the Saints down. And you really have to, you know, tip your cap to the Miami defense. The Dolphins' defense did a pretty solid job slowing the Saints down, giving up only 20 points to the New Orleans Saints, uh, only giving up 347 total yards, which I'm only, maybe, you know, it's still pretty good, a pretty good showing against the Saints, uh, especially considering that the offense couldn't really get anything done. I thought the defense was sort of, if, there's, if you're looking for a bright spot in this game, that's what it is. Your defense stood up, and did the job they needed to do. Sure, there were times where they, they looked overmatched, but I, I thought for the most part the defense played well. Cordrea Tankersley, um, in his NFL debut, did, uh, pretty well. He was okay. He, and, and him being just okay was better than Byron Maxwell or Alteron Werner. Maxwell, who ended up not playing in this game because he, uh, I guess tweaked his hamstring in the pregame, although word on the street was that Tankersley was gonna start anyway. And at this point, at least, in in this one game, Tankersley appeared to be an upgrade. But brain the, the Dolphins defense, solid. Not great, not spectacular, but solid. And uh and on a day like today, that's about as good as it's gonna get for the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean the defense being solid, I mean, that's basically been what this defense has been the first three weeks. I mean, they they weren't terrible against San, against the Chargers in in the opener. Uh, you know, the Chargers put up a lot of yards, but the Dolphins did a lot of bending and not breaking, uh, which I think was the strategy. And then granted they were it was the Jets last. They they weren't very good against the Jets. I, I think uh you 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 had the built-in excuse of, you know, being on the field too long, but and and you know they kind of held tough after falling behind seventeen to nothing, but they really when when they gave up the opening touchdown uh, in the second half to fall behind seventeen nothing when their defense really needed to keep them in the game, I thought that was really really poor on their part uh, against a really bad Jets offense. Uh, and then in this game, yeah, they they held their own, and and look, a lot of it was. That first half of the game was a really ugly, sloppy first half. There were a lot of penalties. There was not a lot of flow. Uh, both sides had issues with communication. So you wonder how much of that. But regardless of all that, the Dolphins defense hung tough. And for three quarters of this game, they held the Saints to 10 points, which if you tell me coming into this game, th going into the fourth quarter, the Saints have 10 points, I'm feeling really, really good about this as a Dolphins fan. Um, in a vacuum. 
Well, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if I don't know what the Dol- how many points the Dolphins have, if I say, oh, it, it, any defense, if, if I say, oh, they've held the Saints to 10 points through three quarters, I'm feeling really good about our chances to win this game. <laughs> but, but you've uh, got to uh, get something from your right. you got to get something from your offense. But I will say this in ga- in a situation like this and the way the Dolphins offense has played the last two weeks. One thing that this defense hasn't really done is put a lot of pressure on the opposing offense to make mistakes. There hasn't been a lot of pass rush and they haven't forced turnovers and a turnover might have been the difference in this game. It might have been the spark that the Dolphins would have needed, um, but it didn't happen. And that's not to say that that that's the defense, you know, that that's bad defense. Look, part of it is also when a team is playing with the lead and they have a veteran quarterback and they don't feel threatened by the opposing offense, they're going to be very risk averse themselves and they're going to just make sure that they protect the ball because from where they sit, the only way they're losing that game is by turning the ball over. So it's it becomes harder to turn your opponent over when you're when you're playing from behind. And that's why I felt going into this game, I mean, granted, this game, I, I thought it was over all the way. I thought this was going to be a high-scoring affair. Um, and so when I said I thought the Dolphins needed to play from ahead, I thought that was more because I thought that was their best way of making the Saints one-dimensional and then playing better defense. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't expect this kind of problem playing from behind, but that's just one of the you know, turnovers. That's one of those things that when you're playing from behind, it's harder to get them. Well, yeah, and and the Dolphins' defense now through three games has no interceptions and has forced only one, uh, has forced two fumbles, has only recovered one. So three games in, the Dolphins have one turn. Obviously, you, you need some there. Um, but yeah, largely a, 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 an okay performance from the defense. Lawrence Timmons back in the mix. Um, he he made his presence felt. He made his presence known. Uh, he certainly helped out that beleaguered linebacker core. Um, but one other thing that we need to talk about in this game before we go to a couple of questions that we've received, Brain, it, it would be remiss if we if we went through the discussion of this game without mentioning that uh, the referees, particularly in the first half of this game, were just throwing laundry all over the field. Uh, I think there was a combined sixteen penalties in the first half of this game, uh, which led to which just created an ugly half of football. And some of these penalties were really bad. Uh, there was a uh, uh, the Dolphins' offense was called for an illegal pick at one point, it, which was on a on a uh, third down and short situation where the Dolphins would have converted into a first down, but instead they were whistled for a... Yeah, it was a, that was a borderline call. Which is a borderline call, but there were some others in this first half. There were a lot of, a lot of flags in this game. I think the, the officiating was just... They were, it was one of those games where you really just felt like the referees were just not letting this play. Um, and you certainly, you certainly want them to call... F- you know, call penalties if it's a penalty. But I mean, at some point, let some of this ticky tack stuff go and and let these guys play, especially when you're uh, trying to advertise your game uh, in front of the entire country and, you know, an entire other country as well in, in London. Yeah, I thought the officials were, were too much of the story in the first half of the game. Uh, and it did 
like I alluded to, it made it very ugly first half of football. It made it very sloppy. You had the communication issues, which didn't help. And, and then, you know, there was no rhythm to the game because it seemed like for, for a good portion of the game, basically from the start of basically almost the entire second quarter, it felt like every other play, there was a penalty. And, you know, there were a few questionable calls, uh, a few that could have gone either way, could have been no calls. Um, and it certainly, it you know, it, it hurt the Dolphins. It, I, I felt like it hurt the Saints a couple of times too, but, you know, we, we tend to focus on how it affects the, you know, our team. That's our bias. And it did feel, you know, at least in that quarter, like the officials really kind of, you know, killed some drives for us. But, the Dolphins did, did a lot of it on their own, and it's not like these were all just, like, bad penalty calls. You know, most of them, you know, you could at the very least say, you know, I see that's a penalty. You know, maybe it could have been a no call, but I see it, and it's like, okay, well, it's a legit penalty. So, you know, maybe that doesn't get called all the time, but but it's a penalty, so it got called. And this, this is not the first time. I mean, they, they had a lot of penalties last week. They had a lot of penalties in the preseason. These are things that there were warning signs about, about this offense, you know, that they needed to clean up. And it just appears like they haven't really cleaned them up. And, you know, the officials are human, too. And, you know, when they do their homework coming into a game and they prepare for this and they see, you know, the Dolphins have had a lot of, uh, you know, whether it's they're they're not lined up right or they've had a lot of false starts or they've had a lot of holding penalties. You know, the officials look for that. And so it becomes, you know, like, you know, it, it happens again because you get that reputation for being a team that commits a lot of penalties. And then the refs are looking for it. So then they see it and they don't give you the benefit of the doubt. And so these are things that the Dolphins need to clean up, which again falls on coaching. And uh, really, I want to get back to I know that you wanted to shift this into the officials, but I don't think that I've made the point clear enough as to just how uh, disappointed I am and how angry Dolphins fans should be right now with Adam Gase. And I'm not look, I'm not calling for Adam Gase's job. That's not what I'm doing. No, I think it's I think it's as as bad as he has been play calling wise. I think it's entirely too early to be calling for his head. I I think I think quite frankly, this is a man that should be given the the full season. And even then, you know, this is this entire season is being done with a second choice quarterback. Okay, see, I'm not I'm not as uh, lenient as you on this. I I agree. You you got to take everything into account, and that's one thing that you take into account. But he also went out and he signed this quarterback. You know, he went out he and did, said, this is my guy. This was that, his guy. And yeah. he, he, he said, um, he said, Colin Kaepernick is available. Eh. Yeah. Well, and Matt Moore is, is, is already Matt there. Matt Moore is here. But I want Jay Cutler. But here's the point that I want to make to Dolphins fans about Adam Gase. Adam Gase has done nothing more than Tony Sperano. As a head coach, well, let me play. Let me play. Let me play devil's advocate. But but uh, Adam Gase has completely changed the culture of this club. The same thing we were saying in 2008, going into 2009. In 2007, the Dolphins went one and 15. It was 
and they arguably should have been 0-16. They had that miraculous game where Brian Billick let them off the hook and it went into overtime and they hit the pass to Greg Camarillo and uh, Wayne Heising is crying in the booth. Bill Parcells is there and and everything's going to get turned over and the Dolphins start that season 2-4. and four. Nothing looks to be changing. The Wildcat comes into play and the Dolphins all of a sudden go on to win Nine of their last 10 regular season games make it to the playoffs, get shellacked, but they feel good going into the next season. They come out the next season, they lose their first three games. They end up going seven and nine. Sperano has another year. I believe they go eight and eight and then has another year. Well, then then they had the the little flirting with, with Harbaugh in the offseason. Harbaugh says, you know, ends up taking the job at Stanford instead or with the, yeah, with or no, with uh, Sam, with the 49ers instead. And that ends up being a, a garbage season that leads to Tony Sperano losing his job. And we all remember Tony Sperano as this terrible head coach that was overly conservative, that was always playing for field goals and cheering for field goals and all of this nonsense and, you know, was a bunch of bravado, but was really not a very good, not a very innovative coach, not a very creative coach, a very, you know, got the criticism coach scared. So let's fast forward 2015 dolphins are bad. Joe Philbin gets fired. Adam Gase comes in. He's the hot coordinator, you know, much ballyhooed, a lot of support around the league, uh, you know, highly recommended, highly regarded around the league. These great offensive mind worked with Peyton Manning, uh, you know, had, you know, made Jay Cutler into a good quarterback in that one year in Chicago and comes in. Dolphins start really terribly last year and much in the same way in 2008, they rallied. They end up winning uh, nine of their last 11 games to get to the playoffs before getting shellacked by a, by a real good playoff team. Coming at this point right now, Adam Gase has had 20 games, playoffs included, as a head coach. He is 11-9. and nine. Through 20 games the, uh, of Tony Sperano's head coaching career, his first 20 games, 11-9. I've heard a lot coming into this season, a lot of people praising Gase for the job that he did last year, and it was deserved. But a lot of people ready to crown Adam Gase as the next great coach, the next great head coach. Dare I say the next Don Shula. I, I've heard that down here. This guy has not done enough to get that benefit of the doubt. And from what we've seen through three weeks, the honeymoon is over. There's no more benefit of the doubt. There's no more, uh, this guy's a good coach. If things go wrong, it's on the players. No. This team was built to win now this year. And Adam Gase spearheaded that. I don't think that this came from the front office without Adam Gase's approval. You know, when Adam Gase went out to get Jay Cutler, you know, that's a win now move. That's saying, I believe that this team is a playoff team. And, it, and it's saying that I believe Jay Cutler can get us to the playoffs. Well, if you believe Jay Cutler can get us to the playoffs, then I think it's time that on second and long or third and long, we stop running draw plays and screen passes. And it's time to open this thing up. And see what we got. If we fail, we fail. But we go down swinging. We don't go down scared like a Tony Sperano coach team. And I think it's important to 
inject into this conversation that with the dissatisfaction with Adam Gase, that is not taking the blame off of the players. Because Jay Cutler has been bad the last couple of games. He's had opportunities to make good passes. I mean, a better pass, as bad as that play call is to, uh, you know, on that opening drive, a better pass could be a touchdown. Uh, there were a lot of other passes to receivers that were, were bouncing short or going long. Uh, and, and for all the talk about how Jay Cutler has better pocket presence than uh, Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill's athleticism and his ability to move and run outside of the pocket at, at this point um, is something that I think the Dolphins are actually missing offensive. I think it's that Jay Cutler is lacking that ability and there's been a, there's a drop off. And so we are disappointed with how he's playing. I think we are disappointed with how the offensive line has played. It, it hasn't been great. It's been okay. It hasn't been terrible. There, it's, it's certainly been better than a lot of the teams that Tannehill had, uh, around him. Those first couple years horrendous. It's better than that, but it's still, it's not great. And as a result, we're seeing Cutler panicking quite a bit. Um, and, and he hasn't been great. He has not been spectacular. But, but, you know, again, it's, he's not the one that's out there calling these plays. And, you know, for, the vast majority of the time where things are falling short, it's it's not just because Cutler is missing a play, it's because it's the call is not the right call. Too many, too many screens, too many draws on on second or third and long. It's just not a great situation. And 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 Brain, that leads me to a question that we received on Twitter. By the way, if you are not following us on Twitter, we hope that you will give us a follow at same old dolphins. And uh, this tweet comes from Craig, who is at Dolphins End Zone, and he says he really wants to know at what point does Gase put more in? He says Cutler has no chemistry with this team. Uh, Gase was asked about the quarterback situation uh, in the post game today, and and he responded as though it was an absurd question. He's he's absolutely not going away from Jay Cutler I'm soon. Do you foresee a time this season where perhaps Gase does in fact pull the trigger and let Matt Moore become the quarterback for this team? At what point does, you know, does he say the Cutler experiment has not worked out and we're going to go to Matt Moore? Is it when the team is one in seven? When does this happen? So I just want to clarify, is the question... When do I think that they should go to Matt Moore or when do I think that Adam Gase will? I think the question appears to be when, when does, when do you think Adam Gase will put more in? I think, and then well, I think answer ways. that. And then why don't you tell us when you would put. All right. I think before you can make a fair assessment of what this offense looks like with Jay Cutler, you have to open it up and you have to take some shots. Now, one thing that we don't know, um, un you know, unless we're, un you know, because, uh, you know, I don't know how into it you get as far as like, do you, do you break down the game film? Do you see like the, you know, the stadium cam? Do you see the same kind of film that, that, you know, these coaches break down where you could go back and you can look and say, you know, on this play, there were a lot of different options and Jay Cutler could have made a play 20, 30 yards downfield, but he checked down and it had nothing to do with pressure. It just had to do with him playing it safe. Um, if Adam Gase sees that, then 
in in like the film room, then I'm ready to make the move now. Uh, but from what I could tell in these last two games, and and I mean, let's go back to the first game, is that there's been a lot of quick throws, and that that's what this offense was designed to do. It looks like there's a little bit of trepidation and not very much trusting of the offensive line to protect Jay Cutler. And so an emphasis is being put on getting the ball out quickly. And when you're getting the ball out quickly, you're not throwing the ball downfield. And what I see is the defense that we're playing, you know, it worked to an extent in the first week because the Chargers had no game film to go off of. They had no reason to believe that the Dolphins were going to come out and throw 15 passes two yards or less from the from the line of scrimmage. But the Jets looked at that film and they came up and they were all over it. The Saints looked at that film and they came up and they were all over it. And until the Dolphins start opening it up a little bit, the defenses are going to be all over it and it's going to be hard to make that work. So, you know, if it's the case where there are enough times over the course of the game where Jay Cutler could have made a play downfield, but he checked down because he himself was playing safe. And you don't feel like Matt Moore would do that because Matt Moore, I mean, he, he was throwing the ball downfield at the end of last year in the in the few games that he was in. So if, if you feel like that's what's going on, then, yeah, I make the move right away. And I think if Adam Gase sees that in the film room, he might make the move. And, and don't get it twisted as far as what he says at the press conference, because that's coach speak and that's being a good coach. And that's, you know, kudos to Adam Gase for not answering the question by saying, oh, I don't know, uh, you know, I have to look at the film and then reevaluate it because you say that and now you've got a quarterback controversy. And now that's what's being talked about all week. And that's not what you want. Um, so good job by Adam Gase, not. Uh, not saying that. And by saying, look, Jay Cutler is my quarterback. Now that said, he could go in there and he could look at film and he could say, oh, Jay Cutler was absolutely awful. And he's the reason why we, why we got shut out. And I'm going to play Matt Moore because I believe Matt Moore gives us the best chance to win a game. I think that's totally possible. I don't think that's the case in this situation. I think the case in this situation is that Adam Gase has held the team back by coaching a little bit scared, by coaching overly conservative. And until he really opens it up, I think uh, it's not really fair to make the move. Now, the other th the other thing you can ask is, well, if you're so confident in your quarterback, this quarterback that you got because he knows your system and you like him better than Matt Moore, if you're so confident in him, you know, why, why haven't you opened it up to this point? You, you said yourself, like, you know, other teams would kill to have the weapons that the Dolphins have at their disposal. The Jay Ajayi, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, Julius Thomas, even Kenyon Drake. I mean, he looked pretty good. Like they got a lot of weapons on this offense. And so it doesn't make any sense uh, that, that they've been so, so ultra conservative. So, um, my guess is things get opened up next week, and if nothing changes, I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Moore gets into the game next week. If they, lo if they lose and the offense is bad or and Cutler is bad, 
we're going to have this conversation next week and it's going to get hotter and hotter and hotter and it's going to happen sooner rather than later if this continues. And they're going up against a Tennessee team that gave up uh, uh, quite a few points to Houston today. 57 points to uh, Deshaun Watson and uh, so there the Houston you have Texans it. today. Dolphins so. getting shut out for a second week in yeah, a row. Yeah, they should probably be shut out for the second week in a row. At this point, the Dolphins have played 12 quarters of football and have scored two touchdowns. It's sad. Exclamation in one of them, point. In, in one of them in garbage yeah, time one of last them. week that they had to call a timeout with six seconds to score a meaningless touchdown. That's right. Um, I, he has one more question, and I think it's going to be the thing that takes us out in this episode. Uh, it's, it's again, it's from Dolphins End Zone. What can be done... To write the ship, is it is it just a matter of addressing the chemistry issue with Cutler and this team? Is it just you know getting a bit more aggressive with the play calling? They seem to be a bit more aggressive in that first game against the Chargers, and that turned into a W. Granted, it you know <laughs> they 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 were a missed field goal away from losing that game too, but at least they were scoring points in that game. So what? Listen, the Dolphins are 1-2, and two, and they have looked absolutely terrible on the offensive side of the ball the last two weeks. However, circumstances are such that the New York Jets are 2-2, two and two, the New England Patriots are 2-2. Two and two. The Patriots have, I think at this point, the worst defense in the National Football League, and they, they've lost a second home game now to the Kansas City, or to the Carolina Panthers today. So they're 2-2. Two and two. The Buffalo Bills... Uh, are the surprise team in the division really uh, at three and one with victories over the Denver Broncos and the Atlanta Falcons, the win today coming in Atlanta. Uh, But you know, three games into the season for the Dolphins, they've got two losses, but they're right there. I mean, it's way too early in the season for us to be going. The season is over. It's hopeless. There's nothing that can be done. Obviously there's a lot of time. There's a lot of time to turn things around. We saw it happen last season. So you can't, I, I refuse to wash my hands of this team right now. So my question, taking it back to Craig's question, what can be done to right the ship? Well, I think first and foremost, they've got to be able to run the ball. They just have to be able to run the ball. They, they, they didn't win last year when they weren't able to run the ball. And they haven't been able to win this year when they haven't been able to run the ball. Uh, so that's probably the most important thing. Um, and outside of that, I think it comes down to... Look, I'm not saying that they need to be Bruce Arians offense where they're throwing the ball 40 yards down the field 10 times a game. But you saw it on the first two drives that even throwing the ball 10 yards (laughs) down the field in the middle of the field makes a difference. And not just can you not just the ability to complete the passes to get easy first downs. But also it opened running lanes up for Jay Ajayi and for Kenyon Drake. And they immediately were able immediately after those passing plays were able to run the ball. And as they got further and further away from throwing the ball downfield and as they got safer and safer and safer, it became more and more difficult for them to run the ball. The depth of target is a huge issue for this team right now because as the throws get closer and closer to the line of scrimmage, the defenses creep up closer and closer to the line of scrimmage and it becomes harder to run the ball. And the tendency of this team right now is so obvious to play everything five yards and in that now it's hard to run the ball early in the game because the defense is 
already everything's in front of the line. And not just that, but it's hard to get anything off of these screen passes because the defense is expecting it. You know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying that they need to go out there and reinvent the wheel and become this high-octane, throw-the-ball-40-times-a-game offense. But sometimes, the first play of the game, you do a little play action and you throw a deep ball. And it doesn't always work, but it sends a message that it's there and that it it gets the defense on guard a little bit. It moves those those corners back a little bit. It moves those safeties back. It keeps the, the linebackers back. And when you see the linebackers back up, that enables you to run the ball. That enables you to throw the short passes. But you can only do it so many times before the defense starts to overreact down. And when they overreact down, that's when you have to go back up top. And we're seeing too much of the Dolphins going up top once and then never going back to it for like 20 plays. And granted, it's also hard to do when you can't get first downs. But part of the problem they can't get first downs is because they're playing it safe. So it, it all it all feeds on itself. Something's got to change. I think the main thing is the play calling. The other thing is, look, they got to be able to run the ball. They just have to be able to. And even if the the, the opposing team knows that they're, they're going to run the ball, they've got to find creative ways to get the job done. Because if they can't run the ball, they're not going to be a good offense. All right, Brian. I think that's going to wrap us up. Tell the people where they can find you. Can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. Also, uh, writing for dolphinsreport.com. Follow at dolphins on scout on Twitter. I should have, uh, my article, my, my weekly column, the, the weekly recap of the, of the previous game up, uh, sometime tomorrow, which is Monday, by the way. Right, right. Monday. We're recording this Sunday night. We're recording it earlier than normally do, which I, I'm glad. I, I like that we're getting a chance to on a Sunday. But uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. You can follow the show on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins. And don't forget that you can download, rate, and review the show uh, on iTunes. So we hope that you will also subscribe, become uh, followers on SoundCloud. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. We really, really want to get your thoughts, get your feedback. That helps us a lot as we try to make the show better. Uh, and if you can leave us a review on iTunes, that'll help more people uh, become aware of the program and build our, our network. And uh, it just helps everybody out. So leave us a review over there on iTunes as well. We will be back later this week. Uh, hopefully we will have cooled off a little bit and we will take a look ahead to next week where the Dolphins return home. I say return home. It'll be their first actual home game of the season. Technically, this this game in London uh, today was, in fact, a home game. But uh, the first real home game happens next week at home against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, so we'll be back later this week to take a look at that game and figure out what the Dolphins are going to need to do in order to win the game. Spoiler alert, it probably includes scoring points. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't already, uh, follow Bad Bruno. They're the, they're the wonderful band that gave us the fantastic Miami Dolphins fight song, the punk rock version that you hear at the beginning and end of our show each week. Uh, so make sure you follow them at Bad Bruno Punk. Thanks, as always, for listening. For Aaron the Brain, this is John. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins!